Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 68. He's Dave Brian. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday. Steelers Nation gearing up for the Sunday game at Seattle, a must-win game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dave, how you doing? Happy Wednesday. Uh, I am preparing to actually get out of town the next couple of days. Going to the uh, Barstool Bowl over in Tucson, Arizona. Got an invite from uh, one of our listeners, a longtime listener, and uh, actually uh, pretty much runs the Barstool Bowl, uh, uh, Ollie uh, over there. And uh, I really appreciate it. He's been trying to get me to come over to the last couple of years and uh, COVID and geez, my back last year, I haven't been able to make it over there. So I think this is the third uh, offer that he's made for me to go over there and sit up there in the uh, suite up top and get an all 22 view of the <laughs> game. You know, uh, you'll know I'll eat that up. Now, I don't like going to games and being with crowds and all like that, but I can get my uh, arm twisted uh, to go uh, up there in a suite and, and and watch a game from 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 the all 22 view. So uh, get ready to do that. going to head out uh, Thursday they drive over to Tucson, take in a hockey game on Friday night uh, over there, go to the Marshall Bowl on Saturday, and then uh, drive back in time to uh, help everybody cover the Steelers game against the Seahawks. So kind of looking forward uh, to doing that. Uh, what did, Do you have your New Year's resolution already laid out for yourself yet? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't have one yet. I, I would love to know what the Dave Bryan New Year's resolution is, though. Mine is to be more like Jalen Warren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I try to be more like Jalen Warren all the way around. A good teammate, uh, 125% effort on every play. There you go. So we'll look forward to that. It's, it's a good goal to set. And I'm, I'm kind of short like Jalen, so not as powerful. I'll, I'll work okay. on the power. All right, let's get into the things here, Dave. A lot to talk about in today's show. We'll start with the... Let's just dive right into Mike Tomlin and his press conference, because, of course, that's the thing we've been waiting for, how he would handle the quarterback situation. Talked about that on Monday, how he would frame things. And I, I think he essentially referred to the quarterback situation in the way we expected, in the sense that status quo from last week, Mason Rudolph is the presumed starter right now. They'll monitor Kenny Pickett's health and see how things go. To me, it was the best way for Tomlin to basically say Mason Rudolph will start without saying anything about Kenny Pickett negatively and really kind of keeping the optics as you know calm as possible. I really think that obviously had Rudolph struggle against the Bengals that Pickett would be the clear starter going into this week, but Tomlin's able to kind of have that cover of the injury. So Rudolph not guaranteed to start. Some in the media were saying, okay, Rudolph is the unquestioned starter. Well, I think it's overwhelmingly likely Tomlin did not say that, but point is I think he handled and framed things appropriately. Yeah, he did everything but really officially name him uh, the starter, and it, you know it was it was quite interesting to see how a couple of the NFL Network guys uh, 
uh, took this and kind of ran with it with Rudolph is the starter. Now, do, do we think that it's going to go that way? Uh, yes, but Mike Tomlin did uh, give himself an uh, uh, out, so to speak. I'm trying to pull up exactly uh, what he had to say here. Uh, well, first and foremost, he was asked uh, – Mike, Mike Tomlin on Kenny, on if Kenny Pickett is cleared, uh, will he go on Sunday? And Mike Tomlin said, I'm not into hypotheticals. We'll see what the performance looks like tomorrow. Uh, Mason Rudolph has the ball as we stand here today. Uh, that, that was, that was one of the quotes, you know, that, 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 that he gave there, but, uh, uh, he, I think you laid it out best. He kind of named Mason Rudolph the starter without naming Mason Rudolph the starter, but he did give himself enough wiggle room uh, when it comes to picket and, and how he looks in practice there. But you know, rolling it all up in a bow in 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 in, in a bow here, uh, it it's still not going to stop some of the questions being asked about what does the uh, team think about Kenny Pickett, but the way he did kind of phrase this is that, you know, Kenny ended the week last week is out and they need to see where the ankle is. And uh, I think you've kind of laid out uh, in either a terrible take or, or, or one of the uh, uh, things that you put out there was the fact that uh, it's been a while since Kenny Pickett has had some reps too. So, you know, mm-hmm. they, 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 you know, they want to see what he looks like and all that, but as best of job as Mike Tomlin could have done to kind of tamp down the back end of this, where it comes to pick it and give himself a little bit of an out. I think he did that. Now, the most interesting thing will be is watching this injury report progress throughout the week. And as if, if Kenny goes full, and I don't, he didn't go full any time last week, right? It was all right. Limited. All right. Right. Uh, if he goes full any time this week and then ends up not being ruled out for the game and then ends up dressing for the game, either as the number two or the emergency number three inactive, that's going to produce some more chatter, right? Well, I think he either starts or he's a number three inactive. I mean, he, I'm not even sure if he'll dress necessarily for this game, just so the optics of a, you know, Kenny Pickett dressing but not out there don't present themselves. But again, I think the way this thing's going to go is Mason will start, Trubisky will be the number two, and, and that's how this thing's going to go. And and even even if Rudolph was terrible and we all expected Pickett to start this week, there was still going to be some boxes to check medically and reps and making sure that that he's fully good to go. So you can get away with you know kind of selling that plausibly this week. Next week, you can't do that, but this week you can. And I think Tomlin understands, and we had the conversation in our kind of a back and forth, that you can't turn away from Mason Rudolph after the performance that he had and, and the points his team produced and the way the offense looks. So you're able to to sell this enough for this week. What's What's the... What's the best case scenario? <laughs> just win, right? I mean, that, that that that's it. If you if you go with Mason here, you j- just win because he's going to be second guessed throughout this thing. Sure. Forward. The question is, and these are all good problems to have. Mason, it's another great game. They win. Then you have to stick with Mason for week 18 against Baltimore. But at that point, pick it. You know, everyone's going to understand he's healthy, he's ready to go, and you have to kind of really reckon with, okay, it's not a health issue, it's a best chance to win decision. 
and we talked about this on the podcast the other day about which which way would each of us go. I I think he's made the right choice here. Now, uh, the results will uh, be the indicator of, and this obviously assumes Mason uh, starts on on Sunday against the Seahawks. Uh, I feel like he's made the right choice here, and if Mason goes out there and you know plays poorly, uh, well. You know, uh, it, 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 it is what it is. And, it, and at that point, if, if you end up losing this game, it opens the door very easily for you to go back to Kenny Pickett uh, in what would essentially be, even though you're probably, it, there's a lot of things that have to happen for the Steelers to get mathematically, I think, eliminated uh, mm-hmm. uh, this week. But losing this game against the Seahawks would, would all but do that. You know, uh, it would make it extremely hard uh, for them to make the playoffs. Uh, but if they lose and you know, a finger can be strongly pointed at Mason as the reason why they lost, uh, it gives you an easy uh, out to go back to a then quote unquote healthy Kenny Pickett uh, in, in, in your season finale against the Ravens. You asked the question, what is the best case? This is going to sound maybe a little bit harsh, but if you want the the actual answer, what is best case for Mike Tomlin? Pittsburgh beats Seattle. Rudolph plays below average to kind of poor football, but they find a way to win defensive scores, last second field goal, that kind of thing. And so you get the win, but then you can go back to pick it in, in week 18 and everyone kind of agrees, understands there's really no controversy about it. That is probably honestly the quote unquote best case scenario if you're Mike Tomlin. So in other words, you win 16 to 13. Mason has two uh, interceptions. The defense scores a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, uh, basically an early season win. Uh, yeah, and basically every other win before the Bengals game, something that looks like that, maybe a little bit uglier at quarterback with turnovers. An, an ugly win where Rudolph is not great is probably the best thing for Tomlin right now. Uh, and then you go into... Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from. But, I mean, obviously, if, if you think that you can get to the playoffs and make a little bit bit of noise, you'd like to have more continued continuity in your offense uh, this week against Seattle. So, look, what, once again, uh, you know, people, you know, I'm sure people listening to this are are split, uh, you know, as, as far as who they think uh, should start and, and, and all like that. Uh, I don't envy the decision that Mike Tomlin has to make this week. Uh, I am glad to have be able to watch and sit and, and, and go through all 22 and, and see a lot more positive things out of this offense uh, this week. And uh, now is how much is that related to uh, it being the Bengals again? You know, uh, that certainly helped because, I mean, you know, let, let's face it. That was, uh, you know, uh, they, they, uh, Kenny Pickett had had success against the Bengals, just not putting the ball in the end zone as much as as Mason did that first time around there. Uh, this, what, what do you think about the dynamics of this being a a, a road game as opposed to a home game? Yeah, it's going to be a challenge, and not only a road game, but a West Coast game in Seattle, one of the toughest places to play. It's not like you're going to with the Rams or the Raiders, where it's really a home game away from home. And not only is it a road game, 
Seattle now has now has tape on Mason Rudolph and how the offense ran with him. I know the Bengals, you know, they weren't unfamiliar with Mason Rudolph, but the guy hadn't started a game in two years. So there is that unknown factor. How will he look? How will the offense change? What will be his tendencies? All that kind of stuff. Seattle at least has an idea of what to expect. So I think the combination of those two things presents a different situation for Rudolph in this game. Do you still uh you 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 thought Kenny should start, right? If if healthy. Yeah, uh, that was that was our conclusion. It was a little bit of taking the other side, but I think you have a there was still a good case to be made and, and to make for Kenny Pickett starting because he did play well against the Bengals in that week twelve game. They just didn't finish him drives, which was partially his fault, but also partially not his fault. So I, I thought you could argue that Pickett would still, you know, could be the guy. What would have to happen coming out of the press conference on on Tuesday and what Tomlin said and what he didn't say? What would need to happen for for Kenny Pickett to start Sunday? Rudolph to get hurt in practice. I mean, I'm not really sure what else, what other scenario there is. I think in to see Pickett starting this game. Okay, I agree. Speaking of uh, injuries in the health standpoint of this team, Pittsburgh in this must win game, hopefully getting some reinforcements. Although we know they'll be without one starter at least in this game, and Landon Roberts already ruled out with the pec injury. No official word on the nature of the injury. Week 18 status for Roberts, but obviously did not look good. And a quick rule out early in the week, not a tremendous sign for him going forward. Of course, and again, will not play against Seattle. Potentially returning though is going to be. Minka Fitzpatrick, he's going to get apparently some limited, maybe light work to start the week. Ditto with safety, Trenton Thompson. So Fitzpatrick thought maybe this would be a multi-week thing. Still could be, of course, but the door is at least open. The light is being left on for one Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I don't know which way that's going to go uh, with him, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get an early look, obviously, with the uh, Wednesday injury report and see if he can practice by uh, fully by the end of the week and really the same uh, with, 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 with Trenton Thompson. It would be nice to have Minka back out there, uh, I don't know, 80% or better, right? Right, but I'll, I'll give Patrick Peterson and Eric Rowe a lot of credit. I mean, they played really well, you know, filling in for them, and they were literally fifth and sixth string safeties. I mean, last time you saw going down the depth chart to that degree to find some starters, and they played well. But of course, you would rather have Minka out there. Um, And if he does, then that's going to probably push Patrick Peterson back to cornerback and make that group look like it has been looking prior to the Bengals game. And I guess overall, and and we'll know by 4 o'clock on Saturday, uh, when it comes to transactions and elevations and all like that, uh, it doesn't sound like a Landon Roberts injury is is like a torn pec or something that's you know going to shut him down. Uh, and, you know, uh, and, it, and and an uh, ultra extended amount of time there. I mean, it still possibly could. Mike Tomlin might just be tamping it down a little bit. Uh, I, I I don't know, but I mean, we we do know at at a minimum that uh, Landon Roberts is not going to play this week if they don't place him on IR by four o'clock on Saturday, then at least at you would think at some point in the next couple of weeks, and obviously there's only one regular season game after this one, but, uh, uh, and we don't know the status obviously on, on that yet, but, uh, you would think that there's a decent chance that he's not lost for the season. So that might be a small positive take, take out of that press conference from yesterday. 
it's just a question, you know, maybe it's not a, a torn peck or as severe as we thought, but can he come back for week 18? If he can't, then it may be season ending, even if it isn't right in that sense. Um, yeah, we, we presume Miles Jack will get elevated again and get the start. But uh, Tomlin also mentioned Blake Martinez likely to get a hat and he played in base packages. And the one game he played a couple weeks ago, I think that was the Patriots game, I want to say, been inactive since. So Martinez probably gets a hat, his role. We'll see. Okay. Uh, let's see. Other housekeeping news. A couple of notable transactions Pittsburgh has made. The largest being, this came in late last night, not made official by the team as of 9.45 Wednesday morning, but probably official by the time people listen to this with the team practicing today. They're signing linebacker Jalen Smith to the practice squad. We know with the Roberts injury, um, you know, needing probably some extra guys there. And Smith is a pretty household name, former second-round pick of the Cowboys, former pro bowler who you know, has really regressed in recent years, injuries catching up to him, has bounced around, appeared in one game this year for the Raiders, playing 25 or so defensive snaps, making two tackles, but now in Pittsburgh for at least the final two weeks of the regular season. Yeah, uh, they like that pedigree, don't they? They do, and they're also liking college linebackers who blew out their knees and terrible injuries <laughs> with Miles Jack and, and, and Jalen Smith. But um, obviously, you know, I don't know if Smith's even going to play at all, but he's, he's, a, he's definitely a name. Yeah, it, it feels like they could just continue to stock the, the, the cupboard here. I, I would be surprised if if, if Jalen Smith ends up on uh, as an elevation uh, uh, this week, right? It feels more like a, a situation like it was with Miles Jack a few weeks ago. Get him on the practice squad, uh, get him ready in case this unfortunate uh, luck that the Steelers have had at this position uh, continues. It is like they're, it, it, this is a reference you're not going to get. It's, good, it's like Spinal Tap going through drummers. I fully expect Blake Martinez to uh, spontaneously combust uh, <laughs> out, out, out there on the field in, in Seattle. Man, this team's been uh, snake bitten. But uh, uh, here, here's something else maybe to consider looking. I always I always look at this stuff and I look too far ahead, you know, but uh, uh, should Jalen Smith uh, in the season uh, on the, on the practice squad. Well, is he a guy that you, I don't, he's got a couple of seasons in, he might not be one willing to sign a futures contract or anything like that. Uh, if he ends a season, I mean, he needs um, a job. He's been right. bouncing around the last couple of years. So uh, we'll have to see how that ultimately plays out. Maybe if he uh, ends up part of the uh, off season roster here. Yeah, I think they just wanted somebody with experience. That That's why they brought Miles Jack back. It, right. Probably were hope, hoping he never really had to play, but they just wanted somebody experienced and had a bunch of NFL reps. And obviously, him being familiar with Pittsburgh's system was a big bonus, and that played a really key role in that Bengals game. Now, Smith's not familiar with the system the way that Jack is, but somebody that, that has played a ton of football and from 2018 to 2020 was one of the better off-ball linebackers in football. So, yeah, I mean, you hope you don't have to use him because that means more injuries have occurred. but they they're leaning on that experience, that pedigree in case something happens. All right. A couple of, a couple of practice squad players out the door. Yep. And David Perales, he was released and that's the rookie outside linebacker who was with the team in camp from Fresno state. I didn't think he had a tremendously good summer. Some other people thought he was better. Maybe came on a little bit strong late uh, later in the summer, but he was released probably in part to make way for Jalen Smith. And then safety Henry black has been signed by the Indianapolis Colts off of Pittsburgh's practice squad. So we'll probably have to fill that spot with another safety, especially just given how thin they still remain with Fitzpatrick limited, Thompson limited, Neil, we presume will, will remain on IR this week, not mentioned by Tomlin on Tuesday. So uh, Henry Black has been signed by the Colts. 
All right, so that leaves one open, uh, and they have not officially announced a Jalen uh, uh, Jalen uh, signing uh, yet. They probably will in a little bit, along with probably one more person for the practice squad today. Right, and I presume that'll be a safety that'll come in. Um, Jalen Elliott, is he still in the practice squad? He's been yo-yoed. Is he still on the team? If not, they probably would bring him back. Uh, that's a good point. Been so much, I think he's uh, still there. I think because they I think they brought him back last week, but he's been on and off so much. I'm not. No, nah, he track. he he's he's currently on the practice squad. Okay. I think I thought so. Um, but they'll probably bring in somebody, maybe a familiar name, maybe not, but another safety to try to get you through scout team and and just again with the injuries this team is dealing with right now. All right, all right, Dave. Anything else for Mike Tomlin going back to his presser? Just kind of bouncing back and forth. Did he say anything else that really caught your attention? Oh, uh, let's see. I mean, he talked about. You know, he was asked obviously a lot of questions about the quarterback position and 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 uh, what stuck out. You know, why is Mason Rudolph able to throw the deep ball? He talked about arm talent. Uh, well, that's that that's become the new buzzword in the NFL, hasn't it? Uh, arm talent. Uh, talked about uh, his leadership and that kind of thing. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, you know, talk about uh. Uh, how George Pickens was able to get going and have the game he had on Saturday. Real short uh, answer there. We got him the ball with fluidity. That's Mike Tomlin's buzzword this year. One of them, fluidity. Uh, you know, we got him in some one-on-one circumstance, circumstances and his talent showed. Boy, did it. Uh, let's see. Ask several more questions about uh, what did you think about the answer about uh, Pat, Pat Pete? and his ability to step into the situation he did on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's really underrated. Um, I think he's really become a versatile guy. I have an article up this morning. He has played, according to our charting, at least eight different spots or alignments. That's more than what Cam Sutton did last year. And so he was billed as this sort of Cam Sutton replacement. And I know we were both a little skeptical of that because he had really been Peterson just an outside corner throughout his career. But the second half of the season, as Joey Porter's come on, as the injuries have kind of forced Peterson into, into different roles, he has really stepped up. And so to make that transition to safety, to look pretty smooth and, and efficient, and to me make a relatively seamless transition to that position and play well and be a communicator and be a leader. And the numbers, you know, I, I had the stat last night, the first month of the season, he had a quarterback rating against Peterson did of 114. Since it's about 42 or something like that, a really excellent number. So, I mean, his game is really leveled out in a, in a positive way and his leadership and his versatility has really begun to shine or has been shining through, I should say. And as one listener on the live stream uh, kind of got us going down the hole uh, on on Tuesday night there, uh, you know, Patrick Peterson is one of those, what is it, four, five, six guys that got a uh, roster bonus due in March. Now, look, uh, back middle of the season, to me, it seemed kind of you you could put you could definitely put Patrick Peterson on the list of will you or won't you uh, 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 pay that roster bonus in March. But I think when you look at the totality of his contract uh, as it sits right now for 2024, uh, he's scheduled to earn a three point eight five million dollar base salary he's scheduled to earn a three million dollar roster bonus in 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 March there uh, for a grand total of set to earn six point eight five million in 2023, uh, at least what we have seen as of late in that position flexibility and the, the leadership he offers you and uh, all like that. 
it 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 it's it's less hard to imagine him basically surviving the March 17th date or whatever the uh, date. Uh, I think it's yeah 17th is his roster bonus uh, date there. Uh, you 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 can envision him being part of this 2024 team as we sit here right now, right? I think it's hard to envision him not being part of this 2024 team just based on recent returns, on the versatility, the leadership. And you made the point last night, not only to continue to mentor Joey Porter Jr., but you're likely to draft another cornerback this year. So maybe, you know, Peterson can mentor that rookie next year and mentor Corey Trice as he hopefully returns from his torn ACL. So, yeah, I mean, I think just based on his play, his versatility, the leadership, the lack of other options in house right now. Um, and his salary is not crazy high. I think he's going to come back, and I feel very strongly about that. All right. Uh, moving on, what else did Mike Tomlin say? He was asked at the end about Mason Cole. Snapped to three different guys now in the span of a month. He's been working hard uh, early after practice. Just what can you say about how he's kind of focused on 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 being able to rebound from, from some bad snaps to work with Mason Rudolph? Mike Tomlin says, we expect him to snap the ball. It's fundamental things relative to his position, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Yeah, I mean, the three quarterbacks, really shouldn't impact anything, especially for shotgun snaps. Maybe some under center stuff can be a bit more of a, of an issue when you have different guys in there, but you know, a shotgun snap is a shotgun snap and his snaps have not been good enough and probably just too consistently low and not as drastic and terrible as they were in that Cardinals game. But you want to see him clean things up. But I think I was only like a 21 minute uh, media session from Tomlin. Yeah, it was really short. And frankly, besides the quarterback comments, not all that interesting. So let's talk about the all 22 from this game, Dave. It did come out later than usual, I think, due to the holidays. Um, So I've not really gone through as much of it as I would like to. You probably have done more than I have. What are your impressions? Anything different that you you think about this game, watching the all 22 as opposed to watching it live? Uh, did most of my work on the offensive side of the ball going through, you know, several, obviously the big, big plays. And I want to look at uh, some of the run blocking and all. First, one of the things I wanted to jump to real quick, uh, uh, in that all 22 was, uh, uh, look, Dan, Dan Moore can both the tackles overall, you know, uh, haven't played great as of late. Uh, but I did want to look at that one penalty on, uh, on, on Dan Moore and, I, I, in, in addition to that, uh, I wanted to go look, uh, you know, did some research on, on guys like Tyron Smith and, uh, you know, he's, he's notorious for that snatch and trap, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably one of the best in the NFL, uh, added along with maybe Trent, but Trent, <laughs> Trent's good at it. <laughs> both, both, both those guys are good at everything when, when, when it comes to that, but, uh, uh, rolling back and looking some, some examples of, of some snatch, snatch and traps around the league and all like that. I really didn't see any any different in, difference in what Dan Moore did on that one particular play. I, I I I sort of felt sorry for him for getting a holding call in that particular uh, situation. You know, a lot of times, sometimes you'll see the arm shoot out before going up on the pads and then snatching and trapping. I mean, he just he went straight up top and then snatched and trapped. But uh, long story short, I I think he got the long or the short end of the stick when it came to that. But that was one thing that I focused on. Uh, I thought Mason Cole played pretty damn well overall uh, in, in 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 this game, both in uh, uh, you know, uh, pass protection and and and, and run blocking. There, uh, one thing that I wanted to look at that I don't believe was really evident 
in the TV tape, and it was almost really kind of like a, oh, okay, I see type type moment. Uh, that uh, the deep ball to Calvin Austin, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of a slot fade there out of uh, 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 what part of the game was that? Was that in the first half? I think it was in the first half. Somewhere midway through. Yeah, uh, that obviously a lot of people thought should have been pass interference, and I, I still still think that should have been. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, I think, talked about on his podcast that you know Calvin's got to do a better job of trying to fight, mm-hmm. fight, fight back through that. And you know, it's, it, I think it's a, probably a good point that you know because Calvin's not really established in the league, he's going to have to start doing that maybe to get some of those calls uh, uh, moving forward here. But, you know, the ball was underthrown. That's undeniable on this. But I think it was, I'm going back through it, the fail and the pass protection over there on that left side uh, to kind of really essentially allow a free runner. It's amazing. I I think that Mason got the ball out there as as far as he did uh, on that because he really had to get uh, rid of that kind of quickly there. So that was one thing uh, that I wanted to look out uh, at there. Obviously, if you get that ball out there a little bit further, uh, A, it either gets completed or B, you're even that much more likely to get a pass interference call uh, on that one. So I know that's one that Mason probably kicking himself on there. It's a little bit more understandable uh, with the pressure. And then wanted to go back and look at the uh, that, that slot fade to Deontay Johnson uh, out of that shock concept that it's become really, really a lot more popular. Not only, you know, we see Pittsburgh running a lot, but around the league as well, too. Uh, boy, Deontay cooked him in a the slot there, didn't he? Uh, 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 once the gate opens to the inside there, a uh, great outside move and gets a lot of separation there. And that was an easy one that Mason Rudolph missed. And Mason obviously talked about that one uh, after the game and, and how he'd like to have that one back. Uh, I thought on the second uh, deep ball touchdown, I think it was to George Pickens down the left side uh, there. Mason did an incredible job of holding his eyes to the middle of the field for a long time. Uh, in, 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 in that situation, pass protection was, and I think you broke down a lot of the positive plays for, for, for Mason Rudolph on a, uh, video that's up on the site and on YouTube this morning, but I thought he really did a good job of keeping his, his, his eyes to the middle of the field for a long time there. And then before going deep on that one, uh, George Pickens did a good job topping the route, getting separation. That was a nice pitching, uh, catch on, on, uh, was it that one or was it? No, I'm thinking about the one that I, I think that, uh, am I getting them confused here? No, no, I think that was the the uh, the one on the Pickens touchdown over there. But regardless, uh, Mason did a good job of holding his eyes in the middle of the field. I just thought overall, and I think this is another thing that you pointed out uh, in your video there, uh, really did a good job of going through his progressions, right? Yeah, just the fundamentals of quarterback play, playing from the pocket, going through his reads. It wasn't just the big plays. It was, you know, third and five early in the game, you know, working left to right, finding your check down, hitting Jalen Warren for, you know, a first down, you know, when he's out there just kind of, you know, check releasing and not just just making the plays that are there, taking what the defense is giving you. Sometimes that meant deep ball. Sometimes that meant check down. Sometimes that meant throwing the football away and just living to fight another day. I just thought really clean, efficient, uh, you know, play from the pocket. Overall, just to go back to your commentary on on the slot fade to Austin, how was that pressure? Was that Dan Moore getting pulled back? Was there a free runner or, or a miss? There, there was a there was a miss picked up miss miss pickup in there. Uh, 
uh, Sayamala went to the inside, and I think Dan Dan Moore uh, he came right between uh, the the gap between that was Hendrickson, right? The King. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. through through Sayamala, and uh, that was one where uh, uh, Jalen Warren, uh, I think, uh, got carried by uh, 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 an outside linebacker. Uh, coming out of the backfield there, so I it, it's hard to discern exactly. You know, did, did they think Jalen was going to stay in in and and pick that up? But I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's a weird misread overall. I want to say that that's potentially on Dan Moore, but uh, I don't know for sure. Okay, I know there was one rep later in the game, I believe, where Hendrickson came in free, and I think Moore had the wrong assignment. Something looked really funky on one of those plays. So there's, there were a couple of blips there. I, I think overall, Pittsburgh. Let, let handled- me let me send you the because I, I clipped the end zone of that. Okay, uh, I, I think I know what you're talking about now. I just needed to kind of get my memory jogged, but but still sending because I want to make sure that I'm thinking about the right thing. But I think overall, Pittsburgh has done a better job against some of these blitzes and overload blitzes. Pittsburgh really struggled there early in the season. They've adjusted their protections in the back and sometimes have the uh, slide side guard pop out and kind of look back for any kind of uh, backside blitz. And so they've they've adjusted to that better. But there's still been a couple of blips in terms of just some some free runners that have um, you know still need to be cleaned up these last two weeks. Uh, there was the one other uh, thing that I noted that uh, in here, I'm trying to find that clip for you here. Oh, here it is. Uh, the one where Hendrickson was aligned inside a more right and kind of just squeezed through and more looked outside and then there, I sent it to you. Okay. I'll, I'll double check it. Uh, let's see if this is the one that I'm thinking of or not. Yeah. Because I guess, you know, Pratt was threatening on the edge and so more had to respect that. and. Some miscommunication about you know what say Malu probably should be on say Malu for picking that up. Okay. But yeah, yeah, it's a little messy. It's hard to, to talk about that live, I guess. And you you see how quick then Mason's got to get the ball out in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pressure certainly influenced the accuracy of that pass. Right, right. Uh, one other point uh, later in the game, there uh, Mason's rolling through his kind of progression, starts to the right, comes back to the middle. I th- I think that. Uh, uh, I, Pat Frymuth, he had Pat Frymuth coming across the middle. Maybe that's the throw that he makes there. And then on top of it, you got uh, uh, Deontay Johnson coming on the over. Uh, Deontay sticks the mailbox flag out. Uh, (laughs) You see him run off after that play. He's kind of a little bit irritated he didn't get the ball. Mason still went all the way through the progressions, all the way over to the other side and got the ball out to – Jalen Warren on the outside. I mean, and Jalen breaks the tackle and gets five yards. That's a first and 10 situation. So uh, you probably maybe would have liked to see Mason get that ball to uh, Firemuth over the middle. Uh, but there is a guy running just behind uh, Firemuth. Is it still probably going to be a five or six yard maybe gain anyway? Who knows? Maybe Farm was able to run uh, you know, a little bit further uh, in that situation there. But uh, uh, my main takeaway overall on that was just another example of Mason going through his progressions in that one. And probably not the ideal end of the situation, but he still got the ball to Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren uh, uh, able to get free of a uh, uh, tackle and you still get five yards in the first and 10 situation. Yeah, to me, that play, it was even less about the progression, but he just knew where his check down was because as soon as he felt that pressure, he got to his check down. I mean, he knew where Warren was going to be. He didn't have to go through. I mean, he was going through his reads, like you said, but you know, once he felt that heat, he just dumped the ball off and instead of risking a sack or trying to make a big play or do too much. And so nothing wrong with hitting your check down when you're feeling some pressure. Um, yeah, I, I, I call with those Deontay moments, those 
uh, stub your toe moments where you're trying to run it off. You know, you start, you hit your toe. It's been a lot of those this yeah. year for Deontay, unfortunately. And I, I was going to make the comment, and I, we'll have to check our charting from our Tom Meade on this. Deontay's been aligned in the slot a lot recently, and I really like that. You know, you talk about that um, slot fade that got missed. He was aligned as number two on that uh, play you're referring to on the over. He's number three. They've used him inside quite a bit, although it's been a little strange. He's not gotten the ball a lot from those alignments. And typically when you're moving one of your top receivers into the slot, somebody is talented and, and, and can separate like Deontay, you're kind of designing to get him the football. And it's been a little frustrating. They have not been able to you know, take advantage of different alignments with him to get good matchups and get him free or at least get the ball to him whenever he has gotten free. So something to, to watch going forward. I do like the concept, but I'm not really seeing the results of him getting the ball that often from either number two or number three. I think, and if you look at the passing chart uh, overall on Mason, I mean, mostly this this you know went about to the uh, the, the distribution went uh, predominantly to the numbers and outside. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I, I think we everyone uh, will probably agree that you know the Bengals remember what happened in that game earlier in the season, get chewed up a little bit in the middle of the field, specifically by Pat Firemuth. Uh, they weren't going to. Uh, they would do the best, try to not let that happen. Their their thought probably going into this is let's see if Mason Rudolph can beat us on the outside. Uh, and and I, he 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 obviously he did. And look, there were, we talk about a couple of those slot fades. I mean, if he hits uh, uh, one one or both of those, I mean, he's really got a nice yardage game. Uh, in, 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 in this one overall, uh, just not a lot other than check downs over the middle of the field, which are fine. I mean, well, you know, especially a couple of the, you know, the early one there to Jalen Warren, uh, those kind of things there. But I think mostly the, the distribution, he did a good job of just distributing the ball to different mm-hmm. players all around. I mean, we talked about the other day, uh, uh, Allen Robinson had, you know, handful of catches in this game. Uh, Miles Boykin even had a catch in this game. Uh, Washington had a catch in this game uh, as well. So I, I just think a good overall uh, job of that. I, and, you know, Ben Roethlisberger pointed this out on his podcast too. I don't know what the uh, what the Bengals were thinking at certain points of this game. Of of uh, they were basically playing what I like to call F A F O Cover One. <laughs> it took me a second to realize what you were referring to last night. Um, how do we how do we best explain this without uh, censoring ourselves or with censoring ourselves? Uh, Mess fu- around and fu- find fu- out. Fudge around and and find <laughs> out. Fudge around and fudge out. I guess is yeah. what. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. So I get yeah, it. Their safeties were playing super shallow throughout the game. One v one on the outside. Again, I think that was to protect the, you know, what, how they got hurt in week twelve by by Firemuth, but Rudolph took advantage of those one v ones on the outside. Look, when uh, when you get those looks with George Pickens pressed in an obvious single high situation, you, you got to go after it. Yeah, I mean, it's almost an automatic check. You get 1v1, Pickens on the outside, safety nowhere to be found, and you can hold them and freeze them. I mean, you throw that ball all day. I think moving forward, as you hit on with, uh, and we talked about with these slot fades, uh, I'd like to see Mason hit one of these next week or two. <laughs> Yeah, I would too. Um, they're there and, you know, just unfortunately some pressure and one bad ball, but it's certainly there for the taking. Again, Deontay, they've, they've gotten creative with how they're aligning Deontay and I like the looks. They're just not able to finish some of these plays and they really need need to be able to and should be able to. 
All right, talk about the, uh, and I think you highlighted this in your video as well, too, that kind of uh, pony uh, personnel look and uh, the motion of uh, Jalen and then the pump fake and then uh, going down into the honey hole. Yeah, we've seen this play before, this, you know, fake the screen, throw the seam ball. I remember Ben hit Ladarius Green on the touchdown for that against the Giants way back when, and they've kind of run that fast, flat action with Warren throughout the year. Um, Wasn't that more down the what that was down the scene, yeah. Okay. But it was it was the same concept where you're faking the screen and then you're right. hitting downfield. It, it was this was a sideline throw to Robinson, but it's it's the same principle. Um, and, and we've seen Ben do that with Heath way back too, right? You know, kind of that pump sure. pump fake, pump fake, and hit him down. You know, uh, in between the numbers and and the hash marks. Yeah, I'm sure they've done it. A, you know, a couple times, not recently, but but right. with Ben, they did it. You know, a fair amount. But I, I just like the placement of that football. I mean, you know, Robinson is fairly open. They're flooding the zone coverage, but to throw that one on the outside shoulder towards the sideline, so the cornerback really can't make a play on the football. If you throw that one inside, the cornerback has a chance to really impact. You know, the actual football. In this case, Robinson's able to turn his back. He takes a hit. But, you know, he's only getting hit in the back and he's able to secure the football and get it, get both feet down. It was, a, it was a nice catch by him and good body control, but just good placement. So even though on, on some of those more more open throws that weren't threading the needle necessarily, just the placement downfield. I think I think Rudolph is a really I mean, his arm is good, but his accuracy on those downfield throws is really impressive. The touch, the accuracy, the ability to hit guys in stride and put the ball exactly where it needs to be. Talk about arm strength a lot, and that's important. But I think how you how accurate you are on those deep throws matters more than actually your pure arm strength. Can you roll back in your head, your uh, real quick, what what you remember your thoughts on Mason was during camp? Uh, I think it was mixed. I think he threw a bunch of picks and more than I think even Pickett and Trubisky combined. I mean, I wasn't. Was it was it this past was it this past training camp or the last one that you thought? That that you, because you get made fun of putting those quarterback stats out there, but <laughs> but but your takeaway overall was you thought Mason was the was the better quarterback. Was I, that? I think that was two camps ago because okay. I don't think he threw a pick two years ago. I want to say I, I may be misremembering things slightly. I don't. I'm pretty sure it wasn't this past year because I think he threw several interceptions. But I think two years ago he looked like the best quarterback in camp. Now to be fair, that was also a rookie, Kenny Pickett, and a new to the system, Trubisky. So in some since you expected Rudolph to look the most comfortable throughout the summer. Um, but I think it was two years ago he had a really strong camp. Was the biggest takeaway about Rudolph's performance about what we've seen before and what we saw uh, uh, in this game against the Bengals just more of a better job of the progressions with him? Was, was that the big biggest takeaway as far as Rudolph's play in this game versus what we had seen before? In a sense, to me, I, I I just would use the phrase playing from the pocket, whether that's going through progressions or finding your check down or on that 44-yarder to George Pickens, you know, hitching up in the pocket. And last time you saw somebody, Trubisky or even Pickett, hitch up twice in the pocket and, and just fired you know, a great ball downfield to be completed. It's been a while, if ever. So just doing kind of that fundamental sound quarterback play. And then just being prepared, just being a guy that was professional and came in ready and looked every bit of it. And a guy that, you know, third string quarterback, you don't know if you're ever going to play, you probably don't expect to play. You know, that's just usually how this thing goes if you're the third stringer uh, throughout the course of a season. So um, just to always be on the ready and then show that readiness in game was impressive.
Uh, as far as the offensive line goes in the All-22, I thought Sayamalo had the best game out, out of all of them. From there, it gets uh, you know, a little bit uh, murkier there. I thought, once again, Mason Cole was uh, good in the run-blocking uh, category, uh, kind of middling, I guess, uh, survivable uh, in, in, in the pass protection uh, end of it. Uh, Dan Moore and Broderick Jones is still – having issues out there in the pass protection out, out on the edges overall. So that's a little bit uh, scary uh, overall, but I, I thought run blocking as a whole, uh, this offensive line had a good game. Uh, didn't obviously have any huge runs overall, but you know, you saw something uh, specifically that you didn't see in the, in the, in the game against the Colts. And that was the pile moving forward. Uh, even when guys were getting tackled, they were, they were falling forward an extra yard and a half. Uh, you saw say on, uh, uh, on the pool, uh, uh, once again, quite a few times and, you know, they just kept hammering away inside and, and, and getting positive yardage overall. It was great to see. I mean, they, they kicked butt up front. They won in the trenches offensively and defensively, but to me, especially with the O-line, even first half, it wasn't just because of the big plays in the past game. They ran the ball on their first drive or two really effectively, you know, some early down runs that got you, you know, successful runs and positive plays. You know, they, they have something with Dan Moore and those dart concepts, those pulls. Um, when he's pulling from the backside, they ran that at least twice in this game, and both were successful. Done some of those short pulls with James Daniels, kind of almost whamming and down blocking. You're holding the three tech. Um, you know, they didn't pull anybody to start the year the first month. They didn't pull a soul, and, and they finally got back to that the last, I don't know, since then, essentially, but more and more frequently since. And I think some of their, their kind of creative, uh, you know, power and gap schemes of Daniels and uh, Dan Moore from the backside have been really effective. All right. Uh, that's all right. about all my takeaways, at least from what I've gone through on the, cause I had to kind of, it came out late yesterday. I had to mm-hmm. kind of fly through it there. I didn't really get to see much on the defensive side of the ball. Did you uh, get to peek around in there? No, not really. I do want to make one more comment on the offense. I know on the, well, two more comments. I thought there were some good constraint plays. You think about the Calvin Austin touchdown. That's kind of a spinoff variation of something that they've run in short yardage before with Jalen Warren with the tight ends, you know, fanning out and down blocks by the offensive line, kind of away from that. Just kind of some different wrinkles added on to that. The pump and go we talked about, even the touchdown, the pickings, the first one, the 86 yarder, similar concept to the Patriots game, that third and two that was incomplete. That, up, that ball up was in a better place than what I remember. I think I talked, I don't know if it was mm-hmm. on the podcast or on the live stream. One of them, I, I, I was, I'm, uh, I thought maybe the ball placement could have been a little bit better, but uh, going back and looking at it, it, it was fine. Yeah, it, it didn't have to break stride. It was a little high maybe, but it was overall, you know, a, a good yak ball. Um, but I got to mention, I know on the Jalen Warren or on the Calvin Austin touchdown, Jalen Warren's getting all the love and attention for that absolute depleter on Jermaine Pratt and the all 22 is even more fun to watch it. But I, I love seeing Pat Fry move, finish the block on Mike Hilton. He takes Mike Hilton into the Steelers sideline. I know it's a corner. I know whatever, but you don't see tight ends do that too often. So, so Pat Fry moves in line as a blocker, not great, but you get him out in space a little bit. I mean, he, he's putting people uh, in the bleachers. And so I think he's heard some of the criticism from Merrill Hodge about the two turtles humping comment about his run blocking. <laughs> and uh, I think he took it to heart. So that, that was really good to see. Was it the Bills game the last time we saw something similar to that? Couple it was years Trey ago? White, his rookie year. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he so, ran it. He, he, he took him out to the parking lot in that one. Yeah, and that's my kill. Little, you know, ex-stealer, little maybe storyline on top of all of that. But just, um, you know, the efforts there, just, you know, he's not going to be a great blocker. He's not, doesn't have a great size. And, you know, he's not throwing a Washington 
um, in terms of the build, but out in space, this guy, you know, shows effort. And so you respect that. All right. Yeah, defensively, don't have much just to kind of comment. And I'll probably have an article, maybe an article for this for Thursday, but the rotation, just, you know, playing guys earlier. Keanu Benton, I, I had charted 12 sub packet snaps in this game. So I was happy to see that, you know, just him rotating in more. I think Ogan Joby's played better the last two weeks. I kind of got on him, I think, prior to the Colts game for, you know, really not being productive since the first few, you know, games of the season. I think he has been better. He had a really good first rep to, I think, have a, a good run tackle on the first snap of the game against the Bengals and uh, had a pressure, I think, later in the game. So I'm glad he's been picking it up. Uh, as I had stated, uh, I think on Twitter and in the podcast before the game, I, I expected them because of you know the personnel and all like that, they, they were dealing with that they play a lot more uh, zone uh, in this game. Uh, boy, did they uh, 76% usage of zone uh, in this one. Uh, middle of the field open coverage was 51%. Uh, middle of the field closed was 31%. Uh, they only blitzed one time in this game, uh, Alex. Uh, really? F- yeah, four man rush uh was predominant in this and obviously once you get uh the kind of leap that it that's are they defining blitzes as five-man rushes though because they definitely had some four-man creative rushes with corners and off-ball linebackers blitz i don't know uh well i mean you got the charting on it what 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 is the chart what is what i don't know what uh uh sports info uh solutions uh classifies it but they have one snap of a uh of a blitz here uh what do you have them down as uh, let's see what I have here overall. I have 10 blitzes, but let's see. I mean, I have a couple of corner blitzes, maybe three by Chandon Sullivan. The rest are off all linebackers. Um, they, they must, they must classify it as more than four then because yeah, which, they, ha- they have a four, they have it broken down here by three man, four man, and then blitz. Uh, so they must be looking at it as how many guys are rushing and then must be categorizing, uh, if, if more, more than four go, uh, uh, as a blitz here, which never made sense to me. If a safety blitzes, I don't care if it's a two man rush. I mean, he's a blitzer. He's not expected to rush, but that's a whole separate tangent. Right. And, and, and we've always been under the impression that it's, you know, is a guy on the uh, is an unexpected guy coming. That's a blitz. Right. I, I define it as anybody that is not aligned as an edge player or with their hand down. If they're rushing, I call it a blitz. Now we do in our chart and we, we note the number of rushers too. So we can break it down by four man rushes, five man rushes, et cetera. Um, so we can do both things. But, but anyway, that's just a, a minor sidebar. How many, fi- how many more than four man rushers do you have? Uh, what do I have overall? Now, sometimes these can get a little bit funky on right. some of the RPOs. I, I do have only two. I have a five-man rush and a weird seven-man rush, but I think that was, uh, was that the fourth down? That was the fourth down where it's kind of almost a run blitz, and so it gets a little bit wonky. So they're probably calling that about right. true, you know, more than four-man rushes, and I do only have really one true example of that, so that's probably where they're, they're getting that from. Okay, all right, that makes sense. That matches then uh, some of the numbers here. I, I do want to credit... You know, we know the unsung heroes of this game, guys that stepped up, that that made plays that we talked about, Eric Rowe, Miles Jack, and those guys played really key roles, Peterson at safety, but even guys that didn't put up some of the numbers and, and make the highlight reel, but also had increased roles. I want to give them some credit. Chandon Sullivan played a bunch more slot snaps because Peterson was working at safety, and so Sullivan was essentially getting every single you know slot rep corner as opposed to maybe just playing in some situational uh, nickel stuff. And then even Miles Killebrew. Miles Killebrew played 23 defensive snaps in this game. A lot of it as a kind of de facto inside linebacker, a little bit at safety. 
you know, the play was, you know, I guess nondescript, although he kind of helped close that one fourth down breakup on the sideline to, I believe, Yosef Voss or T. Higgins, but just a guy like that stepping in. I mean, they played they played a ton of people in this game by injury or by sub package, whatever the requirement was. And so just it was, I think, truly a, a team effort in this one. Uh, I thought Keanu Benton from from at least what I've rolled through already played a, uh, a another nice game in uh, in in this one. Uh, we talked about I think the other day about Louder Milk uh, on on that one pressure that he had. Uh, unfortunately, ended I think with a uh, completion on that one with kind of that flutter ball out there, but a nice push pull on there. Is there any reason to think that he won't? Because they've been flopping back between mm-hmm. Louder Milk and, and Leal uh, with the uh, with that uh, last hat. Is there any 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 reason to believe that Louder Milk won't get the helmet against the uh, Seahawks? It's hard to say. Maybe I know Terrell Austin said it's partially a scheme matchup thing, partially a how they look in practice. I think it's truly two dogs, one bone. They're trying to push each other in practice to make each other uh, better. We'll see who can get the hat consistently. It's gone. It's flip flop each of the last three weeks, right? It went louder milk and then Leal and then back to louder milk. Who can get it, you know, consecutive weeks may separate themselves. So I'll assume louder milk dresses, but I really don't know that for sure. And then I, I can't remember if you highlighted this on the podcast or on the live stream, but that tackle by uh, Joey Porter uh, over on the left sideline down there in the red zone, uh, uh, really an under, under, uh, I don't want to say appreciated, just uh, not talked about enough play by by him. It's a forgotten rep. It's second and one. Uh, and yeah, the ball's a bit behind, but still it's a really forceful tackle with no yards after contact, no falling forward. It sets up a third one, third and one that they, you know, Bengals are short up. It sets up the fourth and one that Porter then breaks up the, the ball in the end zone to Higgins from. Uh, Porter's tackling has really improved. You look at that metrically, uh, or, you know, his, tack- his missed tackle rates have you know, been cut in half over the last seven or so games. Um, I put up a little cut up in, in the article that I wrote on him of him making more than just that play out in, in the flat and getting guys on the ground and pretty forceful and coming to balance with better technique, better physicality. So it's never going to be maybe his strongest suit. Obviously, he wasn't drafted because he was a tremendous tackler, but there's one, two, there's desire, there's improvement there, technically speaking. So I've been really encouraged by his development, even in zone coverage. Think about the Colts game. Uh, the one I'm rep I, I highlighted to him getting depth and using the speed turn to break up a throw in the end zone. Um, I know he's billed as a as a man cover corner press coverage kind of guy, and that's that's still so his strength is wheelhouse. But I'm seeing him kind of round out his game in terms of playing you know well in zone coverage and improving his tackling and comfortable playing in the slot and different cornerback spots, different alignments. So I think his game has grown in a lot of ways beyond just being a press cover kind of guy. You know, we had a little fun on the other podcast on 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 Monday about talking about Joey Porter and the color of the gloves, and uh, I I. I thought that, you know, based on kind of the things that they said during the uh, television broadcast there, I, I went down the rabbit hole, you know, thinking, Hey, I think there's something to that. Well, lo and behold, Ben Roethlisberger, (laughs) (laughs) uh, he talked about it on his podcast after we had, uh, uh, had ours in the can as well too. So, uh, that's something I'm going to look for pregame here in this game against the Seahawks. Uh, uh, I would imagine they're going, they're going to be wearing the dark uniforms, right? The Seahawks the dark tops probably. So maybe this is the week to have the black gloves on. I would do it. I mean, I would just, you know, you can't match it perfectly, but you know, against teams with lighter colored jerseys, wear white gloves against darker jerseys, wear wear black gloves. You look at Patrick Peterson in that game. What kind of gloves was he wearing? What color? White gloves against white uniforms. Um, It, it can't hurt. You know, I mean, it, it when you're wearing bright yellow gloves, as you said, as Ben said, you, you stick out 
uh, you know, you kind of put that target on your back. And I think already refs are understanding Porter's game. He's a long press cover guy. So he's probably getting extra scrutiny to begin with. There's a pattern with the penalties. So don't do yourself a favor by trying to, you know, make it as hard as possible for the refs to call it on you. I'd send somebody down to Dick's Sport, Sporting Goods and get a <laughs> uh, get a Seahawks jersey, and then tell them I want the uh, want my gloves to match this color exactly. <laughs> color like match. Go, like Take it home, people, or something. You've got swatches, <laughs> yeah, something. Right, right. Your glove swatches. <laughs> uh, it'd be something to look for this this, this weekend. But it's, I mean, it's a thing people think about. I mean, I think there were the comments someone found about Julian Edelman, that Belichick would always get on him for wearing bright red gloves because it was too, too visible. So, I mean, these things, they may sound silly, but players actually consider and coaches actually talk about some of these things. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other thoughts from the all 22, Dave? No, I need uh, just time constraints. Hadn't been able to roll through that like I want, uh, like yeah. I was able to with, uh, with the offense because it dropping so late this week. So I apologize. All right, Dave, I think we've covered everything that needs to be covered. Let's get through some reader emails and close out today's show. All right. I don't know how many we have in here. Let me look. And for Friday's show, uh, Dave will be away. And so it'll be myself and Ross McCorkle and Joe Clark talking about whatever else is is to talk about, final injury report, previewing the Seahawks game, et cetera. So just uh, one programming note for Friday. All right, uh, here's one from Austin uh, entitled, Am I the Only One? Uh, I personally hate the George Pickens celebrations, he says. This is a generation problem. Even after going off, he's getting himself into trouble with what he's saying, throwing his best uh, quarterbacks under the bus, he says. Him having a good game is the worst thing that could have happened. He's cocky and arrogant, and this only bolsters that attitude. This is only going to encourage him to be outlandish and childish. Uh, He needs discipline and to understand it's what's best for the team, not what's best for George Pickens. He isn't the team. Tomlin, there's a dirty word in here, uh, begins with an F. Uh, Tomlin F this up with a B and now he's doing it again with GP. I can't be the only one that thinks that this is bad. Not good. Well, he starts with the celebrations. Now look, uh, I know he pointed at that defensive back after that second one running into the end zone. And then he did his kind of what's become a patent. And I I don't have a problem with when you have the lead and you look, I, I grew up with Billy white shoes, Johnson and, and, you know, the things that, uh, that, that you, that you, uh, would emulate out the street when it, you know, with, uh, huge spikes and, and all like that. I, I have no problem with any guy celebrating and even some of this choreographed stuff, uh, in, 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 in the end zone that they're doing nowadays, as long as you have the lead, you know, uh, if you're behind and if you're really behind, just flip the football to the ref, the way, uh, Barry Sanders used to do, uh, I could do a little bit less without the 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 the, the taunting, but he, I mean, he starts off this thing with I personally hate the George Pickens celebrations. I mean, do you hate Austin? Do you hate all the, you know, the falling backwards uh, celebrations? Uh, and I don't, you know, I guess he he kind of goes off and talks about pass court throwing pass quarterbacks under the bus and 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 all like that. He just he doesn't like some of the things George Pickens is doing. That, let's just sum it up that that way. I mean, you can hate the celebrations, but love the touchdowns at the least. I mean, the only concern or only thought would be maybe a taunting call if you're pointing at somebody, which they've you know cracked down on. So you may want to have a discussion about that. But you can 
have a tea party. I don't care what you do in the end zone. You score a touchdown, go have fun, man. It's a game. Uh, you deserve it. So, I mean, everything else is kind of more separate beyond the celebrations from what the reader's talking about. I wrote the article yesterday. What I really, I, I, I think looking back and kind of looking at in, in its totality, the, the pick and saga from the, the low effort to the comments about the low effort to Tomlin's comments to post game, how Tomlin reacted, showed the best of Mike Tomlin. I think what he does well is he never gets too high, never gets too low. I think he's pretty steady overall when Pickens, you know, proud of that game. Tomlin offered critiques, but he wasn't going scorched earth on George Pickens. But then I think crucially, even after the game and Pickens having a fantastic game, keeping receipts, all that kind of stuff, Tomlin did not get too high and say, see, told you so. I mean, he just, you know, said it's appropriate. It's a good game and just kind of, you know, moved on. And and you're going to need this approach. This is not a, you know, week to week, thing with Pickens is he matured is he developed or or not I mean it's going to be a continual long progress with him that hopefully continually trends upwards and he you know makes less mistakes and shows his maturity over time and continues to be the great player that he's capable of being but I just like Tomlin personally you know just being steady and consistent throughout never getting emotional about it but just kind of really taking things the same whether it's good or bad yeah, you know, the only real thing that I I I, I worry about with, with with Pickens right now moving forward is those games that he's not getting the ball. How, what's his body language look like? You know, because uh, there are going to be games like that. You know, sure. You know, not not every game are you going to go four for one hundred ninety something and 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 two touchdowns. There there's there's going to be games that uh, that are three catches for 40 yards and no touchdowns and stuff like that. Uh, He's just got the hand to me, you know, uh, moving forward and look, you couldn't have, you couldn't have scripted this this any better for him to have the bounce back game after the, the, the the kind of week that he had. Right. Uh, uh, And nothing but really positive light on him overall there. Uh, I just, what his lows, his lows when he's not having the games that he wants to have need need to be better. Can't doesn't we don't need to be talking specifically after a loss about man. I, I wish George wouldn't act like that. You know. Sure. Uh, no, I, I don't disagree. And and hopefully you can and the team can point to this game and and when Pickens has those type of games because they're going to happen. They happen to every receiver, especially in a clunky offense overall like Pittsburgh's is. You can say keep fighting, keep working because you're going to have another game like that Bengals game. Remember that game? You know it was a tough week. You bounced back, got you the ball. You had a great game. Um, I, I think you can use this as kind of the the reminder of of what the good you know looks like. Listen, there's going to be. Pickens, we're, we're going to talk about Pickens again at some point about his frustration, some comment that he made, something on Instagram. It's going to happen. I mean, just just bake that into the cake. But understand, this is a continual process. There's going to be ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And again, I just appreciate Tomlin. I think being pretty steady, you know, good or bad, each step of the way. All right, we have the uh, other addition to the practice squad. Uh, the team officially announced uh, just a few moments ago. Uh, they have indeed signed Jalen Smith to the practice squad, and they signed safety Nate Mead- Meters. Uh, Meters has played with uh, three NFL, or played in three uh, NFL games, two in 2019 and one in 2020. Uh, and I believe in Minnesota in his career, he spent uh, time on the practice squad of the Vikings, the Jaguars, the Eagles, the Browns, the Giants, and the Titans. Originally signed with the Vikings as an undrafted free agent out of UCLA in 2019. 
13 uh, there. So that's the other name to the practice squad. Did we do any sort of uh, that name? Doesn't sound familiar. Do we do we have uh, by chance a profile on him? I don't think so. I'll double check, but I, it does not sound familiar either. So I'm guessing we did not know. Okay. You have just one little nugget from him being cut back in 2019, but that's uh, that's it. All right. All right. So we'll uh, talk more about him probably on the Friday show um, and then talk about the quarterbacks and the injury situation and maybe have a clearer picture of Pickett's status for the Friday show. Again, it'll be myself, Ross McCorkle and Joe Clark while uh, Dave is on uh, a little bit of break there. Much deserved. Have a great time in what, Tucson. Is, is it? Yeah, Dave? going Tucson, to Tucson. Tucson, very pretty area out there. And uh, uh, Ollie wanted me just to throw out there, you know, if, if anybody's in the area or, or, or remotely close and, you know, they want to fill up that stadium uh, there. And, you know, uh, if you get the opportunity to go out to the uh, game, I believe it's on Saturday, uh, get out there and, 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 and do so. Support them. Yeah, for sure. So we'll come back on on Friday, and uh, I'll let you close things out today. As I I gotta I gotta close things out next on, on Friday show. I'm I'm so terrible at outros and closings and all that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that and try not to stumble and bumble my way through Friday's closing. All right. Well, here's how you do it. Uh, <laughs> if you, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex Kazora at. Uh, Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, steedersdepot.com. Hit the donate button upright, navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, steedersdepot.com. Find that ad free button and follow the directions that way. Uh, until Friday, where the guys are back uh, with you. Uh, everybody have a great rest of your week. And as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. 